Welcome to Peak City Church. We pray that this message fills you with hope and encourages you wherever you are. Also, follow us on social media at Peak City Co. to stay connected with us. Be blessed. And it's still happening. Hey, if you're watching online and you, <laughs> I hope you met two people online somehow. I don't know how that would work. But, uh, <laughs> sorry to mean to alienate you if you're online. We got like 300 people or something watching online. We should probably not alienate them. But it's better here, right? It's better when you can meet people. It's beautiful. Oh, man, I'm so excited for, uh, I'm so excited for today. I'm so excited because I, I believe with all of my heart. Uh, that God's going to do something special. I got, a, I got one little announcement I want to make to you in just a second. Um, but before I do that, I, I think I have to say this, um, that <clears throat> I think today uh, God wants to do something really special. He already did it first service, but I don't think he's done. Um, I think he wants to do something special today. And I, and, and I know that because of what uh, I've been experiencing throughout the week. And, uh, you know, just to cut through the, the preacher facade for a little bit, some weeks... Like sermon prep is just easy and it just flows. I mean, I've had this message that I'm going to bring to you today. God's been doing this in my heart and preaching it to me uh, for about a month now. So I've had it ready. But then when it came to this week, actually getting this, this sucker ready to preach to you all, uh, it was not easy, man. I feel like the devil threw just about everything he possibly could. Like I was, I was telling my wife, uh, I think every major way that the devil has attacked me and tried to mess with my heart and my mind over the past 20 years of following Jesus, I think he threw it all at me in like seven days. And so if any one of those things had happened, I'd be like, oh man, that stinks, but that's life, right? Because life just happens. If any two of those things, I'd be like, oh, that's a rough week, Petey. All seven, and I'm like, all right, something's happening, <laughs> right? And, and, and I say this to you because I saw it happen last service and I, I'm just so confident in it. When I uh, see that level of resistance in my own life, and I know there are people in the room who have had really, really difficult things happen this, this week to them. Um, when I see that level of resistance uh, it's proof that you're on the right track, right? Like when you're facing difficulty and hardship in your life, you normally actually think something's going wrong. Now, it probably just means the devil don't like what you're doing. And so when I see that level of resistance, I just know that that means that God's probably gonna do something really big today in somebody's heart. And so uh, that gets me super excited. My last announcement before we jump into the sermon is tonight at five o'clock, if you are in seventh through 12th grade, you've gotta be here for the Peak City Youth Fall kickoff. It's gonna be nuts. I heard they're gonna have a mechanical bull here. I don't know what kind of youth group we're running. Harkens back to some of y'all's college days. You need to block those memories out, but uh, it's gonna be awesome. And man, I, I'm just, I believe so much in the power of a, of a good youth group. Um, I, I didn't grow up going to church and it was a good youth ministry that saved my life and that led me to Jesus. And so um, I wanna encourage you if, you, if you have a student, if you know a student, if you are a student, get your butt here at five o'clock. And I wanna go a little step further than that. Uh, if you are a, a student, seventh through 12th grade, and you call this place home, you've been coming for a while, you know Jesus, you following Jesus, I'm gonna I'm get a little hard on you right now, okay? A little, little tough on you, a little tough love. Do not come tonight to fall kickoff waiting to be impressed. Do you understand I'm, I'm gonna peel back the curtain for you. I, I was a youth pastor at one point. The worst, the worst thing in the world for a youth, a youth group, a youth ministry, is a bunch of Christian church kids who show up to youth group waiting to be impressed. That's not how you build a good youth ministry. The way you build a good youth ministry, because oh, by the way, teenagers, you know this, you're never really impressed. 
The way you build a good youth ministry is when all the students who know Jesus and, they, and they're following Jesus and they're ready, they come not ready to be impressed. They come and bring 10, friend, 10 friends with them and they're ready to build, right? That's how you build a successful youth ministry. Not the adults all saying, let's do something good for the kids. It's when the kids come together and say, let's build something special, okay? So show up tonight, five o'clock, ready to build, all right? That's my youth ministry plug for you. Um, John chapter two. John chapter two is where we're gonna be. If you have a Bible and you wanna get there, we'll be in John chapter two. I'm gonna, I wanna take you on a journey today. I wanna take you on a journey, uh, same journey that God took me on starting about a month ago. Um, sitting on my back porch with my Bible and my journal. This is basically how every sermon is formed uh, here at Peak City. And uh, ain't nothing special about the back porch, although I do think it is sacred ground, man. Every time I get back there, God just speaks very loud and very clear. Um, the journey I wanna take you on. If God is real, if God is real, and I know that's a big if for some of you, right? And, and that's one of the things I love about our church is that we are a safe place for people to belong before they believe. You don't have to like subscribe to everything we believe to be at home here. In fact, there are people who call this church home who've been here for you know year, two years, three years, four years, who are still trying to figure it out, and some that even wouldn't call themselves followers of Jesus just yet, but they found community and family and a safe place to sort through their beliefs. All right, that's the kind of beautiful place that this church is. If God is real, though, go with me on that for a second. If almighty, all-powerful, all-seeing, all-loving God who holds the whole world in his hands, he controls the events of human history, he has all resources at his disposal, if God is real, wouldn't you want to be someone that he trusts? If God is real and he's capable of doing anything and he can manipulate the events of human history and he can bless who he wants to bless and raise up who he wants to raise up, if he's real, wouldn't you want to be someone that he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I trust that one. I trust her. I trust him with more. See, I sit on my back porch and I was reading John chapter two and um, this is not like preacher brag. Uh, I didn't grow up in church. Uh, so for 17 years of my life, I, I was not following Jesus. I didn't read the Bible, but I've been following him for about 20 years now and I'm reading my Bible pretty often. I came across John chapter two, verse 23 through 25 and I had never, th- this verse, I probably skimmed over it a hundred times and I, I guess I never really understood it or I never really noticed it. But it was this little verse that just started to wreck my, my life for a bit. <laughs> Started to wreck my mind and wreck my heart for a bit. And, and, and it's savage, all right? Like, this is like the most savage, mean verse in the whole Bible, all right? Some of y'all are about to get offended. I was very offended when I read it. <laughs> I was like, oh. John chapter two, verse 23, go with me. It says this. It says, because of the miraculous signs that Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust him. Now, pause. People began to trust Jesus. Jesus was uh, performing miracles, he was teaching, he was preaching, he was, he was building an amazing ministry. And people began to trust him. And that's what he wanted, right? Like Jesus came to this earth to prove to you and I that he was not just a good man, not just a good teacher, but that he was God in flesh. And so people see it and they're like, man, the closer they got to Jesus, the more they, they, they liked him, the more they believed him, the more they found him to be trustworthy. And, and I'm telling you, you would find, like many of us in this room have found, the closer you get to Jesus, the more you see that he actually is trustworthy. Like Jesus is so trustworthy. I, I've never regretted, and I think I can speak on behalf of every Christian in this room, I have never regretted a day in my life making the decision to follow Jesus. In fact, all of my regrets 
or when I stopped following Jesus and I started going a different way. <laughs> like all of us in the room, we got those moments. We're like, yep, I'm a Christian, but on this day, I'm gonna choose to go a different way. That's when all my regrets happen. But when I'm following Jesus, I never regret it a day in my life. And that's how trustworthy he is, right? So people are giving their lives to Jesus. They're getting baptized. People are coming from all over to see him. And it's amazing. I just gotta know that Jesus was so happy, right? He's so pumped that people are trusting him. Here comes the savage part though. So they began to trust in him, but Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all about people. No one needed to tell him about human nature for he knew what was in each person's heart. (laughs) I told you about to get offended. Jesus has this moment where he sees everyone trusting him Hundreds and thousands of people are saying, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. It's amazing. And he's like, man, that's so great. You guys are trusting me. However, I do not trust you. It's like, because I know you. (laughs) I know what's in your heart. I mean, this is some emotional, healthy boundary stuff. Like, this is some Dr. Caroline Leaf social media post. This is like, I'm very self-aware of my life. And I know that you are not, she's like, I love you, I just don't trust you, right? <laughs> That's some really, like, some of y'all need to set that boundary with your family. I love you, I don't trust you. <laughs> like, that's some mature stuff he's got going on there, but here's the deal. You know, you know, you know, come on. Cut through the religious crap, cut through the facade for a second. You know he's right. You know he's right. Because you and I, again, let's just get honest, let's, Forget the religious facade for a second. We are not very trustworthy, us humans. We're very fickle, right? Come on, we're the people who elect a president and then six months later, his approval rating is in the toilet from all of us. (laughs) And we've been doing that for 20, 30, 40 years. It's like, wait a minute, I thought we voted for him. Yeah, but he's garbage now. (laughs) I wish we had the other guy. It's like, we're fickle, we're we're hot, we're cold. Come on, We, 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 we have standards of ethics, we have codes of morals that we absolutely expect everyone else to follow, but yet we don't even follow them ourselves. <laughs> you know every single person in this room, myself included, would say, gossip is a bad thing. You should never gossip. That's bad. But man, when you got a juicy story about somebody, <laughs> it's so fun. It's so fun to be the one that has the inside scoop. All right, come on. You know for the, for the married men and women in the room, you should be faithful to your spouse with your eyes and your mind and everything. You shouldn't be looking at nobody else. But man, when that really hot girl walks by or that really built, ripped guy walks by, it's like, whew, double look, double take, triple take, quadruple take. You would say anybody else shouldn't do it, but yeah, you do it. See, <laughs> Jesus is like, I love you. I, lo- I love you enough to die for you. I just don't trust you because I know it's inside your heart. Right? I, I, I know it's inside your heart. I, I know it's really going on in there. And so I had this moment with God where I'm like, okay, God loves me, but he doesn't necessarily trust me. He loves everyone in the world. He doesn't necessarily trust everyone in the world. But I, again, not, not preacher brag. It's just like, man, I've been following Jesus for 20 years. I've been reading the Bible as much as I can. And I, and I realized, I was, okay, Jesus didn't trust these people that were following him. But that doesn't mean that Jesus didn't trust anybody. Because Jesus actually did trust some people. There were a few people that Jesus chose to fully go in on and fully trust. And and one of those was a a, a guy named Peter. And Peter was one of Jesus' closest disciples. And and Jesus Jesus might might not trust anybody else, but he trusted 
Peter. Look at Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16, he, he looks at Peter and he says, now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. What a cool name, right? Like your name is the rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Sure sounds like trust to me. That's like a Mufasa moment. Everything the light touches belongs to you. He trusted him, right? That's, he's like, I, I trust you so much, I'm gonna build my church. My plan A to rescue the whole world, I'm gonna build it on you, Peter, and I'm so confident in it that I believe the very powers of hell will never be, to, will, will never be able to overcome the thing that I build on you, Peter, because I know you're gonna lead it well. I know you're gonna have the right heart. I trust you. And so I'm sitting there processing through all this in my, in my journal, in my back porch. I'm like, okay, okay. If, he, if God didn't trust all these people, but then he did trust Peter, then I started trying to answer this question, and I wrote it out in my journal. It's the same question I want to answer with you today is, how do I become someone that God trusts? How do I become someone that, again, if God is real, if he's all-powerful, all-seeing, all-knowing, and he's got all these resources, and he can do whatever he wants, how do I become someone that he trusts? Because he clearly trusted a few, but he didn't trust the majority. How do I become someone that God trusts? And so what I want to do with you for this week and for next week is I, I want to show you two moments from the life of Peter. They're going to help you see how you can become someone that God trusts. And, 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 and it's not what you think. I know what you're thinking right now. You're thinking uh, he's going to talk about being a good person and obeying all the rules, being super godly, probably giving all your money to church. He's probably going to try to get my wallet, blah, 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 blah. In fact, you might think Peter, oh, Peter must have just been this holy guy, so godly. No, 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 no. Peter was the mistake-ridden, guilt and shame-carrying, short-tempered. I mean, this is the guy that Jesus would look at him at one point and say, hey, would you get behind me, Satan? You, thought, you think you might have been bad. God's never looked at you and called you Satan. This is Peter. See, but that's not what it takes for God to trust someone. In fact, I believe some of you have, have are, are, are very new to church, you're new in your faith, I think you can become someone that God trusts pretty quick. If you will emulate and imitate the things that we see in Peter's life that made Jesus trust him, okay? The, 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 the title of this first message I want to bring to you is a little big deal, but it's first one. If you want to become someone that God trusts, you must be willing to sink. All right, you must be willing to sink. All right, I want to back up two chapters with you. Two chapters, one Matthew 14. Two chapters before, Jesus says, I trust you with the keys of the kingdom. I want you to see what happens, and I think you're gonna see that you can become someone that God trusts, all right? Matthew chapter 14 and verse 22, you guys ready? <clears throat> okay. Yeah, I don't think we need too much context here. You get this. There's, there, there's, a, bit, there's a bunch of people trying to follow Jesus. That's all you need to know. Jesus insisted that his disciples get back boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. A bunch of people are coming to hear from Jesus. They're coming to hear him teach and preach, and he's ministering to people, and, but they got another place they got to go to. So, so Jesus is like, hey, disciples, y'all get in the boat and go get the next stop ready. I'm going to send all these people home. And then it says that after sending them home, he went up in the hills by himself to pray, right? Because every good leader needs alone time. Every good leader's got to get away. If you're, if you're a leader of your business, you're a leader in your home, you're a leader of an organization, you cannot lead well and be around people all the time. You need some clarity. You need some alone time. So Jesus gets alone and says, night fell there while he was alone. Now, meanwhile, 
the disciples were in trouble far away from land for a strong wind had risen. And they were fighting heavy waves, a really dangerous storm. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, but he was walking on the water, defying the laws of physics, defying how nature's supposed to work, defying gravity, walking on water. And when, when the disciples saw him walking on the water, naturally they were terrified because they'd never seen anybody do this before. And, and, and in their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I'm here. It's a beautiful moment. And, and hundreds of sermons have been preached on this, on this. and we'd be, um, we'd be sorely mistaken if we didn't at least pause and recognize the beautiful truth here, is that no matter how messed up your life is right now, no matter how rocky, how stormy, no matter how, how bad it feels right now, no matter how, how crappy of a week you've had, you need to understand that Jesus, this God we're talking about, is powerful over that circumstance. He is dominant over the storms of your life. He can literally, whatever you're dealing with, he's like walking on top of it. It's not bothering him at all. And I'm telling you right now, he wants to look square into the eyes of your soul and say, don't be afraid. Take courage, I'm here. And that should, that should, every single time you run into something difficult, that should fill your soul up to know that it could never get dark for Jesus to be there. He's with you right now, right? Now, the disciples though, in the boat. They just watched Jesus walk on water. Crazy moments. Crazy. That's insane. We just breezed by the church. We're like, yeah, Jesus walked on water. It's like, what? That's insane. And the response of almost everyone in the boat was exactly what you'd expect. Their jaws are on the floor. They just saw a man walk on water. I mean, these guys were all fishermen. They had been swimming before and Jesus treats the water like it's a solid surface. So naturally, their response is just jaw on the floor. Oh my gosh, I can't. response is what our response would have been. Awe and wonder and amazement and worship, right? Their, their response, I mean, my response in that moment would have been like, gosh, I'm just so glad I got to see it, right? I would count myself lucky and fortunate that I got to see this special, spe- it, it, it'd be a story I'd tell my grandkids about one day. Right? I just count myself lucky. And that's 99% of them felt that way. That was their response. But there was one guy in the boat who did not respond like that. And he was a psychopath. And his name was Peter. Because when Peter sees Jesus walk on water, he, and he sees everyone afraid, right? It says they were all afraid. When Peter saw the masses afraid, Peter was the psycho who saw opportunity. <laughs> it said, there's a screw loose because look at what happens. It says, then Peter calls to him, Lord, if it's really you, and he knew it was Jesus at that point, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Jesus, if it's really you, give me the power to step out of the boat and do the same thing you did. And you gotta know, the other disciples in the boat were thinking, what an idiot. What a moron. It's Jesus and you're Peter. You've screwed up a million times. Clearly you can't walk. What are you thinking, you moron? Right? But, but Peter, again, he, Peter had followed the breadcrumbs because he knew that Jesus had been talking about raising up leaders. He knew that Jesus had been talking about the kingdom advancing not through one person who was perfect, but through a bunch of people who had the spirit of God living through them, right? Jesus even said things like, one day you will do things even greater than I have done. 
And so he starts picking up on these breadcrumbs. He's like, oh my gosh, there's an opportunity here. And so he asks this crazy question. He takes this crazy risk and everyone in the boat is like, what an idiot, what is he thinking? But Jesus doesn't respond like everyone else. Jesus actually responds with trust. Jesus sees him with courage when everyone else is afraid. He sees him go for an opportunity that looks crazy and Jesus responds with trust. It says that Jesus said, yes, come. And so Peter went over the side of the boat and he walked on the water to Jesus. A normal dude like you and me stepped out of the boat and where it used to be water that he would go straight through, it was a solid surface. And he walked on water. And everyone who had just been saying, what a moron, you know what they started saying? I should have done that. Come on, you know when someone, like when you take a risk and it pays off, everyone's like, I had that same idea years ago. I just never did it, you know? I always thought you should take a computer and a phone and stick them together. I could be a millionaire now. That's how it always works, right? And, And go back to our question. How do you become someone that God trusts? Well, if you stopped here, you might say, well, the way you become someone that God trusts is you just be really, really spiritual. I mean, Peter looks so spiritual here, right? So full of faith. He just believes God for the impossible. I mean, I I guess you just gotta be a really spiritual, godly man, have all this faith, just big, big faith. I guess that's what it takes. But if you read the next verse, you realize that that's actually not who Peter was. And that's actually not what happens in the story. You see, you go just a step further and this story that looks so heroic, so amazing, it takes a really, really embarrassing turn. It says that when he, Peter, saw the strong wind and the waves, when he saw just how intense the storm was (laughs) and he remembered just how much of an idiot he was, right? When he remembered just how much the odds were stacked against him and just why he should not have done that, (laughs) says he was terrified and he began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted, because he's drowning. His life is in danger. And Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. And Jesus looks at him and he says, you have so little faith. He said it in front of all the other disciples. All the guys who've been smacking each other saying, what an idiot, and then they smacked each other and said, man, I should have done that, you know, I had the same idea. In front of all those people, he's saying, Peter, you have so little faith. You're so not spiritual. He said, why did you doubt me? And he, and he picks Peter up out of the water. And he puts him back in the boat that he stepped out of. But uh, play through the situation here. He's back in the boat with the other disciples, only there's a big difference now between him and them. Peter's sitting there. They're all like maybe a little bit damp from the rain. Peter's sitting there in the boat completely drenched soaking wet from head to toe, shivering. It's cold, wet, and he's got his eyes closed and he's thinking, I'm such an idiot. He's got his eyes closed and he's thinking, I knew I shouldn't have done that. God, what did I do? Right, and the minute he opens his eyes and looks over, he sees the disciples in the boat smacking each other saying, what a moron. <laughs> Told you he couldn't do it. Knew he shouldn't have done it. Why, who's he think he is? Everybody's laughing at him. Everybody's snickering at him. He's the, he's the butt of the joke. Isn't it funny how that happens in life? You take a risk and it pays off and everybody's like, ah, I had that same idea. He ain't that special. You take a risk and it fails. And everybody's like, I knew it. He was a joke anyways. I knew he would fail. You know, when I was, <clears throat> when I was a youth pastor about 10 years ago, um, we, 
uh, I was a youth pastor in Indianapolis, Indiana. Shout out to any indie friends we have watching the armpit of America. It's true, it is. There's nothing to see there. Cheap housing. Um, uh, but I mean, God, God did amazing things there. Just amazing things. I mean, we saw God take this youth ministry from like 70 or 80 kids and then, you know, a year into it, it was 300, 400, 500, 600 students coming and worshiping Jesus. It was unbelievable. It was amazing. And uh, we had this baptism service. It was like a student ministry baptism service. We had 30 or 40 students getting baptized. And we, so we, we set this baptistry in our youth ministry room that was on the second floor of the church. And we're baptizing these kids. And we had the chairs all turned in. So nobody was looking at the stage. And we're all worshiping. And baptism in the middle. I mean, it felt like something out of eight miles. It was just like hip-hop. Con- like, it just felt so cool. It was amazing. It was electric. And the next day, next week, next month at church, everybody was like, Petey, that's, that baptism service was awesome. You know, I had that idea that we should do a baptism service up there at some point. Just never got around to it. You know, we did it for whatever reason. Like, oh, cool, whatever. Well, fast forward a year, and ministry's still growing. We're going to do another baptism service. We set up the baptistry in the student ministry room on the second floor of the church. And I, I, I get a call from my worship leader, and he's like, uh, hey, I need you to get to church ASAP. Because there are, there's about four inches of standing water in the entire youth ministry room. The baptistry has collapsed. And it was April 1st, so it was April Fool's Day. So I'm like, no way. <laughs> no way. There's no way. You're joking. He's like, no, I'm serious. Get here right now. I'm like, whatever. I get in my car, and I'm driving just laughing. Like, this is a funny joke. And uh, I, open the, I go up to the second floor, and I open the door. And uh, there is my, uh, my friend, my worship leader, who is with a mop and a bucket, mopping and then squeezing out the water, mopping and squeezing out the water. And I said, buddy, you could mop for two months, and you would never get all this water up. <laughs> four inches of standing water, the baptistry catastrophe happened. <laughs> and what was even worse is that right under the youth ministry room was the lead pastor's office and even much worse, the church secretary's office. And she'd worked there for 60 years. I'm telling you, she never spoke to me again. <laughs> to, uh, to this day, she blames me for destroying her teacups because the water went straight down into her office and everything came tumbling down. <laughs> Oh, and the next day, next week, next month at church, you know what it was. I told him to not put that stupid baptistry on the second floor. What a moron. <laughs> I, I mean, I had, for months, I had people saying, hey, Petey, baptistry catastrophe guy. <laughs> hey, man, you dry today? You feeling good? But of the joke. Embarrassed. Right? <clears throat> and that moment, come on, you know this. We as humans will do what it takes to avoid that moment. We will do whatever it takes to avoid being embarrassed. If there's one thing we don't want, it's to be the one that everyone's slapping their neighbor saying, this guy, this girl, oh my gosh, you see them? We'll do whatever it takes to avoid that moment. And Peter is in that moment right now. He's sitting in the boat, he's drenched, he's soaking wet, he's shivering cold. And everyone's making fun of him, and he's so embarrassed, and he's so ashamed. But I want you to understand, two chapters later, probably two days later in the timeline, two days after his most embarrassing moment of failure, when everyone's laughing at him, is when Jesus would stand Peter up in front of all those guys that were making fun of him, in front of all those guys that wouldn't take the risk, in front of all those guys that wouldn't, that wouldn't put themselves out there and potentially fail, he says in front of all of them, Peter, you are the rock on which I will build my church. Peter, I trust you. 
See, it was in those moments on my back porch, I was, I was processing through all this. I was writing stuff down as quick as I could. And I just said, God, how do I become someone that, that, that you trust? And I'm looking at Peter's life and I feel like he just whispered to my soul in that moment. I think he wants to scream it today. If you wanna become someone that God trusts, you must be willing to sink. You've gotta be willing to be the butt of the joke. You've gotta be the one who is willing to fall flat on your face. You've got to be willing to sink. You've gotta be willing to step out and do something that might not succeed. Like if you want to have that relationship reconciled that has been bothering you for years, that relationship that just isn't quite right and you just wish it could get better, well, let me, let, let me say this. God's not gonna trust you with a reconciled relationship until you are willing to put yourself out there and have that hard conversation that might go wrong. You, you might say something to that family member that makes that whole thing blow up. You might actually learn that you have hurt them in some way and you've got to fail and learn. You've got to humbly come into that. And, and if, but, but if you'll do that, if you're willing to sink, Jesus will trust you. See, some of you, have got this business idea, right? Or you know there's some leadership position that you're supposed to, uh, that you, you felt so compelled that you should apply for, or you, should, you should do, but you've never done it because you're waiting on 100% of the people in your life to affirm it, and you're waiting on 100% chance of success. And I just think God sent me here today to tell you that he's not gonna trust you with that opportunity. He's not gonna trust you with more influence. He's not gonna trust you with that blessing unless you're willing to sink unless you're willing to step out of the boat and fall flat on your face. See, Jesus, will, this is how the kingdom of God works. God will not trust you unless he knows that you're willing to fail and learn. You have, if, if you want a strong friend group around you, if you want good community, you've gotta be willing to step out and get real with people. How are you gonna get real friends if they never hear the real you? But if you're gonna tell people about the real you, you're gonna risk rejection. I had someone a couple weeks ago say, man, I've been hurt by the church and I just don't know what to do about it. And I feel like God's called me back in, but I'm just so nervous about it. And I didn't have a good message for him. <laughs> I was like, hey, I for sure think that you should get back involved in the church. And I'm so sorry that you've been burned in the past. I'm so sorry you've had friends that have backstabbed you. I'm so sorry that you've experienced pastor scandals, whatever it is. And you should 100% get back involved in the local church, comma, and you might get burned again. Again, because we're people. Jesus knows what's in our hearts. I, I wish I could say that every single small group you could sign up for today would be 100% guaranteed that they'll all be BFFs with you and they're all gonna just love you and they're not gonna be weird out when they hear your junk. I just know people, man. I can't guarantee you that. But God will never trust you with real friendships until you're willing to step out and get real. You have to be willing to, to fail and to learn. Some of you in this room, and I know this because I talked to a couple of you after last service, some of you are on the cusp of becoming a Christian. You're like on the cusp. <clears throat> you actually believe that God is real and you believe that his name is Jesus. But most of your friends are either atheist, agnostic, or maybe at the most generous level, irreligious and don't care. And you're deathly afraid that if you were to say, yep, I'm a Christian, I'm gonna start following Jesus and I'm gonna just live my life for Jesus unashamedly, you're worried what they would think of you. You're worried they would disown you. You're worried that they would make fun of you. You're worried that someone would go, so are you some sort of Jesus freak now? 
I'm just telling you, if you want the life to the full that Jesus promised for you, you will never get there when you are still trying to salvage your reputation with people. You will never get there through image management. You must be willing to sink. You must be willing to get out of the boat and fall flat on your face and fail and have other people snicker at you. This is what it takes to, to have the kingdom of God advance in your life. You can't worry about the opinions of man. You can't worry about whether or not it's always successful. No, 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 no. You have to be willing to fail and learn. And if you can do that, I'm telling you, God can trust you. God can trust you with more if you're willing to fail and you're willing to learn. And, and, and I've seen this in my life. I've seen, it, I've seen it so many times. You know, when I was processing through this, I was like, God, I know this to be true because of the building I stand in right now. I know it's true. Some of y'all don't know the story of this building. You don't know that you're, you're sitting right now in a miracle. This, this building should have never happened, right? But we were willing to fail. We were willing to risk. We were willing to sink. And, and God trusted us. God miraculously brought the resources. I mean, you, you walk in this building and think we made a money. You're wrong. We, we miraculously got resources together and then we drained the bank trying to build this place. I mean, there were some weeks, some of y'all don't know, there were some weeks a year ago right now that I was like, whoo, we might be pausing payroll a bit. It was hard. And you don't know that. That's okay, but I'm telling you, on the inside, I'm telling you, God, it, it, this, this barely happened, but I believe with all of my heart that God trusted us with this building because we were willing to sink. You know the story could have been very different. I had pastors all around the country who said, you did what? You tried to raise money to build a building in a pandemic when no one was gathering together, you said, hey, let's build a big building and get all the COVID together. <laughs> hey, uh, sounds like a good idea. Nobody wants to be together. Let's make a big building so everyone can get together. Super spreaders. That was like basically the fundraising campaign. Let's make a super spreader. <laughs> it, I mean, the, the, the story could have been moron pastor tries to raise money and epically fails and moves back to the armpit of America. It could have been totally different. I just believe, I saw, it, I saw it with my own eyes, that God will trust you with more when you are willing to sink. I knew this thing could fail, and I was ready for that. Our elders knew this thing could fail, and we were ready for that. And because we were willing to sink, God trusts us with it. And, and, and I'm sitting there going, God, why are you telling me this? Because like you already saw that I'm willing to sink. I, we did this thing. And I feel like God was saying, oh, you think you're done? You think I'm done asking you to do things that are gonna sound crazy? I feel like he was saying, no, 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 you need to learn this for yourself because I'm not done asking Peak City to step into very unknown territory and do things that no one else is doing to reach people that no one else is reaching. I'm not done asking you to stand on stage and say things that might just tick everybody off. I'm not, I'm not done. And I need to know, are you willing to sink? Are you willing to go? And I think he's giving me this message because I'm getting old. Some of you are like, he's not old. I consider, old's a relative term, all right? I am mid-30s still, but I'm just shy of late 30s. I'm 37, 37 still mid. Once you hit eight, it's late. It rhymes, so it's true. And I feel it, man, I feel it. And, and some of can really relate to this. If, if, you're young, you, if you're young, you shoot your shot a little bit more often, right? I feel like me, I see it happening to so many of you. I see it happening to our church. The older you get, the more risk-averse you become. The older you get, the more consumed you get with safe living. 
And I think giving me this message to make sure that it deep down in my heart, that as I, as I age, that I still understand that I must be willing to sing. If he's gonna trust me. Not if he's gonna love me. I mean, he loves me, he forgives me. He loves you, he forgives you. But if you want God to trust you with more, you have to be willing to sing. You have to fight against this natural, cultural, I think it's the devil attacking your life as you get older. You have to fight back against this idea that safe living is the goal. You have to lean into failure. You have to say, God, I'm ready to do whatever you ask me to do, whenever you ask me to do it, whatever I'm in. And I know I'm probably not gonna be good at it, but I'm committing. I'm here. I'll fail and I'll learn. I'll fail and I'll learn. And so I, I can take this and, and I have to apply it to every single person in the room because I know that the spirit of God is powerful enough. You know exactly right now what God's calling you to do. For some of you, it's a, it's a spirit church that you've been very, very scared of taking because you're not sure how it's gonna go. For some of you, there's a conversation you need to have. There's a relationship you need to repair. There's a business you need to start. There's something you need to step into. I could go on and on. But I don't have to because God's spirit right now is already probably putting it inside of you. And if he doesn't right now, he's probably going to before the end of the day. What you're supposed to, but you're scared because you think you're gonna fail. You're scared because you think you're gonna sink. I just wanna tell you that if you'll step into it, God will start trusting you more. And the reason, you gotta catch this, you gotta catch this. The reason that he will start trusting you more is that when you are willing to sink, you look a lot more like Jesus. Jesus didn't trust us, right? But Jesus was trustworthy. See, it's like when you are willing to sink and you're willing to take on ridicule and you're willing to fail and learn all, you start to look a lot like Jesus who's very trustworthy. You know, Jesus was willing to sink on your behalf. Jesus was willing to sink on your behalf. I mean, come on, Jesus, when he stretched his arms out on the cross to die for you so that you could be forgiven and free, you know he was sinking. You know they ridiculed him. They spit at him. They cussed at him. They put a mocking sign above his head that said, King of the Jews. He had criminals on his left and his right, and one of them said, if you're the son of God and you're so powerful, why don't you save yourself? Whatever. He was sinking. He was sinking. And he was willing to sink all the way down to the pits of hell to rescue you. He was willing to sink. See, when you are willing to take on whatever the world throws at you, no matter what the opinions of people are, when you're willing to step into this and say, God, whatever happens, I mean, come on, Jesus had no guarantee that you and I would ever be here right now worshiping him. The greatest risk that the world has ever seen was when God himself died on a cross with no guarantee that you or I would actually believe in him. When you lean into this, you start to look a lot like Jesus. And that's when God starts to trust you with more and more and more and more. And so maybe for you today, the decision that you need to make is you need to start with that initial step and actually become a Christian. You need to say yes to following Jesus. We had four or five people last service that made that decision, which was beautiful. And maybe for you, it's something you know, you can feel it right now. The spirit of God is telling you, you gotta do this thing. And I know it's scary and you're gonna fail probably and it's all good. And you wanna say to God, I'm willing to sink. Whatever it is, I wanna give you the chance to make that decision today before God. So would you stand with me to your feet? And we do this in every service. For those of you that are new to the Peak City family, we do this every week. Give you a moment to respond to God in privacy. Um, we're gonna ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. 
And we do this to provide that privacy. We're not gonna parade your decision up in front of anybody. We're not asking you to make it public. This is about you and God, you responding. And so if, if you're hearing this and you know that it's your time to say yes to Jesus for the first time, You've been on the fence about faith, you've been on the fence about Christianity, but you know deep down, you know that Jesus has been pursuing you and you know that he's the way, the truth, and the life. If you wanna say, you don't have to have the Bible memorized, you don't have to have your life cleaned up, you just have to be ready to say yes. Yes to his love and to his grace. If that's you and you wanna become a follower of Jesus today, I want you to raise your hand on the count of three as a private decision between you and God. One, two, three. beautiful, man. Hands up all over the room. Wow. It's amazing. Put your hands down. That's awesome. If you know that God's speaking to you and he's asking you to do something, maybe you've known for a long time, but you're scared because you think you're going to fail. You're scared because you think you're going to sink, but you're ready today to say, Jesus, I'm in. I'm willing to sink. Whatever you ask me to do, I'm in. If that's you, whatever your specific circumstances and you just wanna to declare to God privately between you and him that you're ready to do whatever he asks you to do, you're ready to sink in that circumstance. If that's you, raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Hands up all over the room, let's go. That's beautiful. Oh, let's pray and ask Jesus to do it in us. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the way that you've moved in this room today. Thank you for salvation, for life change, God. Seeing so many people wanting to start their journey with you. God, I thank you for all the people that just raised their hand and said they know what you're asking them to do and now they're saying, yes, we're gonna do it. Jesus, we need your spirit to help us follow through on that. You know that we are fickle and sometimes we are not trustworthy. God, develop the soul within us that is trustworthy. God, do it inside of us. We surrender our hearts to you. We open our minds to you. Holy Spirit, make us into the, the kinds of people that you trust. God, make our church into the kind of church that you trust. Jesus, we love you and we celebrate you and we ask all of this in Jesus' name together by saying amen. Thank you for joining us. Subscribe to our YouTube channel for weekly recordings of Sunday service and follow us on Spotify and Apple Music for weekly audio recordings and podcasts.